0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome, friends, to the Church Leaders Podcast. We have another great episode for you. This week, Alan Briggs joined me here in the studio Alan is a pastor, writer, coach, speaker, strategist, and so much more. He founded Stay Forth Designs to help leaders and teams get healthy and reach more impact. He's the founder and director of Frontline Church Planting, a team that coaches church planters, and he's the multiplying pastor at Vanguard Church. Alan has also written four books, and he's generously offering digital copies of his latest book, The right side up leader to all of our church leaders listeners now i just love it when guests want to bless our listeners Uh, to get alan's free ebook the right side up leader just text right side up to four four two 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 that's just one word no spaces right side up to four four two 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 and we'll send you that ebook now on this week's episode alan and i discuss healthy leadership and what that truly looks like for us as pastors how to live the abundant life and avoid some of the burnout that we are seeing all around us. We talk about navigating expectations, both those that others place on us and those we place on ourselves. And we provide practical insights to help you avoid overwhelm and really embrace abundant leadership. So please join me now in my conversation with Alan Briggs. Alan, welcome to Church Leaders Podcast. So good to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man, it's pretty exciting. Uh, it's awesome because you live in town, right? And so we have bumped into each other a little bit, just actually had coffee a couple of days ago or hung out at the coffee house. But it's so cool to have you in the studio with us here and uh, just to be sharing from your heart. You have a very uh, unique ministry, unique calling on your life as a pastor yourself, but then also this, this calling, you've been very engaged in uh, mentoring and coaching and, and really speaking into the lives of, of pastors, church planters and Pastors of established churches, super cool uh, ministry. Absolutely love it. I love to hear your stories and hear your heart. And super excited for our listeners who, a <laughs> bunch of pastors, bunch of ministry leaders that we love. And um, I think our time together, our conversation is going to be very, very encouraging. So once again, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hey, brother. Now, as you you know, talk to pastors all across the country. As you uh, you know, you're coaching, you're mentoring, and and as a pastor yourself. What do you see is the greatest challenge that, that pastors are facing right now? I think just the word overwhelm.
1: I think that um, the stress, the pace, the busyness, I think even the expectations. I mean, pastors today are supposed to be anything from theologian to inspirational speaker <laughs> to counselor. I mean, the, the amount of things that are loaded on us accidentally uh, by people who have maybe come from another church or who don't know what a pastor is or isn't supposed to be, it's crazy the amount of expectation that guys feel, the amount of pressure, the ability to produce. I mean, if you think about it, a content creator even, that each week I have to have something fresh. Yeah. There's something, you know, of the Lord and creative, and Sunday's coming um, in the midst of all the rest that we have to do. Maybe that's marriage and kids and friendships. That would be enough right there. Um, with all those other things. So I I just, the word that I hear is just overwhelm, a general sense of overwhelm. Many times uh, don't know how to get healthy, don't even know where to start down that road. Uh, And I'm just so burdened for that among ministry
0: leaders. Yeah, let's dig in a little bit to, you said expectations. And we have both external expectations, right? As pastors oftentimes, and and many of the expectations, and, and pastors, I want you to hear this, are unfair expectations. They're not necessarily people trying to be unfair, but they they become unfair um, because you have so many, I mean, you're, you're a person, as you said, you know, you've got a family, likely, you've got you've got life going on, you're helping to run the ministries of the church and help lead faithfully, you're preparing a message regularly. I mean, all of these pieces, and, and oftentimes those expectations sometimes are unfair, um, but again, the people aren't necessarily trying to be unfair in that, right? They're, they're, it's just... What they think, you know, their, their background, their, you know, their thoughts of what it means to be a pastor. And and um, so we have those kind of external expectations that come from our people. We also have some external expectations that might come from if we're part of a denomination or a ministry network. You know, there there's some, tends to be some... Some other expectations tied in sure. there, loaded, right? right. undefined, secret. Yeah, exactly, expectations you don't really know there. what they are, but they're there until you miss them, really. <laughs> exactly, and so, but then there are the kind of the internal expectations. So, the expectations we put on ourselves as we so we're launching into ministry. You know, oftentimes, you know, we we look and we imagine, you know, because all of us as we launch into ministry, you know, you think of of all the wonderful, rewarding, exciting, the impact, all you know that that's what you're you know, you're, you're excited about that call, and then reality tends to hit, right? So, so talk to us a little bit about, let's dig in a little more about expectations, um, not only the external, but the internal expectations.
1: One of the most helpful things for me has been this phrase that frustration is always a product of expectations unmet. So if you're frustrated in, in anything in life, in any relationship in life, with my kids, with my wife, I have a different expectation than they do. So they haven't come out to the car as fast as I hoped so we could get to that event early that in my mind, I'd loaded that expectation on them. No wonder I'm frustrated at them. Many marriages are simply suffering from the sense of unmet because they were unexpressed expectations. And mm. I think the same is true in ministry. All the time, we need to be redefining and saying, what's my expectation? What expectation do you have of me? Whether that's uh, from the lead pastor, if we're you know a second chair pastor or leader um, and then getting to define some of those expectations to say, I am not available on Friday. That's my Sabbath. I'm going to go ahead and disappoint you now so I don't disappoint <laughs> right. you later. And my favorite definition of a leader is someone who disappoints others at a rate they can handle. And so mm. the, the easiest place to do it is at the beginning. So let's go ahead and disappoint them on the front end. And then our role is to educate, to say, you know what, I, I have you know this amount of kids This is my desire in terms of what present looks like for them. My wife and I have date night um, close, uh, you know, on this night or about this night every week. This is something that we do. These are the hours that I'm committed to work very hard among our church community. These are some of the things that I do. um, But this is the day I'll never be available. Mm. This is what vacation looks like for me. When I get home at night, I, you know, give the phone to my wife. And I was talking to a leader the other day. He has his daughter, his teenage daughter, lock it for him. And she has the code on his phone because that's how serious he is about being unavailable in the evenings. And so if the expectation is you're always available, well, that's not going to happen in that you know, kind of guarding scenario. So I think it's just important to, to educate because that education to me sounds a whole lot like discipleship. We're mm-hmm. actually discipling them saying, this is what matters to me. These are the priorities. Here's why. And unfortunately, when people fall on the wrong side of boundaries, they're not pumped about it. Like, cool, you shut me out of your life on Thursday (laughs) nights. But that's a discipleship opportunity. Let me disappoint you now, because guess who's always available? Jesus. (laughs) Right, right. And then to begin to teach the priesthood of all believers in the midst of teaching our own expectations, On on ourselves even, and I think the expectations. I work with church planners often, and so having those expectations, we generally look at what we saw somewhere else, what we read somewhere else, somebody else's stories. So if we can really have that conversation, Jason, what are your expectations of this launch? I see it all the time. Most people think if you just announce it on a Sunday, (laughs) the ministry is going to take off. You know, and and uh, you know, recently somebody said, "Well, I'd be happy if forty people show up." From one announcement? That's incredible. I mean, what free stuff? Are you giving away free, you know, free pizza boxes or are you like, how are you gonna get people in at that rate? And so sometimes our expectations actually have killed the event ministry process or church before it even launches. And we don't actually see what God is doing because we see what didn't happen.
0: Yeah, that's good. I I love that idea of kind of trying to establish expectations up front as much as possible and as you know, if anyone's who's listening right now who is uh, getting ready to plant a church or taking on a new ministry role, it's the ideal time to kind of do this. I remember the, my last church, I met just after I'd been with, with the church, you know, very briefly, right in the first couple months, I met with the leadership team, you know, the board. And I remember I had prepared uh, for all of them uh, a list of uh, probably about 15 different common um, tasks that that pastors do, right? You know what I mean? From preparing and planning uh, the sermon, you know what I mean? To visiting with people to, you know what I mean? Working on our outreach ministry, you know, whatever it is. So just a list. I just came up with you know a list of about 15 different things. And I gave a copy of that to everyone. And I asked all of them right there, you know, in, in the meeting, I said, just take the next five minutes and just next to each of those items, if you could just put the number of hours that you would expect that I would invest in that particular task, right? And uh, so they did it and uh, I collected them up and um, we went on with our meeting. And then our next meeting, we, we got back together. And what I did is I went and I looked at what everyone said and I took the most hours for every single one of those, right? Like, so if someone expected me to put, you know, 15 hours into preparing a sermon, mm-hmm. you know, that was uh, what was for that. And then however many hours of visiting families or, you know I mean, or engaging in the community and, and, and whatever it is. And so I took the highest number of hours for all of them and added them all up and it was more hours than are in a week, right? You know what I mean? So then when sure. we got back together- Maybe then, then in a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got back together. And I was able to say, hey, listen, um, the reality is if I were to meet- everyone in this room's expectations. I don't even have enough hours in a week to do that. Just, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep. I wouldn't be able to, you know, eat. I wouldn't be able to be with my family. So, and it, it gave us a good opportunity to kind of talk through expectations and kind of help. And and it, the cool thing was, it was, like you said, it was discipleship because it was an opportunity for them to kind of reflect on their place in, in the church. You know what I mean? And where are some things that they can step into? How God's uniquely gifted them and called them. So really, really cool practical exercise that you could go through as, as a pastor to really kind of help navigate, because that's not always a fun conversation to have, because so. you don't want to disappoint people. You never sure. want to disappoint
1: people. We didn't get into this quote unquote business so we could go disappointing people. Exactly. But we have to at some point. I love that exercise because you're you're literally putting on paper what is ridiculous in our minds that you could work that many hours and yet we've got to get it out of our heads. And that's the first conversation. It's interesting. We, you know, we say all the time that ministry is relational. And I talked to pastors 10, 15, 20 years after they got into ministry and said, why'd you get into ministry? Oh, the people. What percentage of time your first year did you spend with people? Like, oh, like 92%, you know, what percentage of time do you spend now? And sometimes it's the reverse. Sometimes it's eight mm-hmm. percent. Say how did we get there? Because we actually let ministry beat the life out of us and the passion out of us. And I think it has a whole lot to do with expectations and constantly defining those. I don't I don't think it's it's that easy. I don't think it's a one for one win every time. But I love that exercise because you're literally saying, What are your expectations of me? And to to bring your family in that. It's interesting. Um, in a lot of my sort of secular research for one of my books to just say, what's out there on this topic? I was actually studying something called depersonalization. And I found that that's what makes us feel like a machine is this idea. We feel depersonalized. And in that moment, in that exercise, you're actually personalizing saying, I have a family. I have these needs. I need to sleep. Right. I like racquetball or feel <laughs> yeah. you know, fly fishing or rock climbing, or hey, here's our time for vacation. And you're actually, it's very personal. It's relational. But in that moment, they're just thinking, here's what I want a pastor to do for me instead of, this is me, this is our family. We want to be shaped here and formed in discipleship and mission. Um, and so I think those are easy steps that all of you guys listening can do is just put it on paper somehow and then create clear expectations. And of course, if you're married, have a conversation with your spouse, even begin to have conversations with your older kids on what should be expected of dad and, right. and what isn't expected of dad, and
0: then be able to give them them their time. Yeah, that's good. That's solid. So... Pastors are experiencing a lot of overwhelm, um, has to do with expectations. Uh, what other things play into kind of this sense of overwhelm? Our culture
1: is going a million miles an hour right now. And we do not I don't think we need any more stories of leaders, um, sort of a public crash in the mm. news, to believe that our paradigm of leadership, the way we lead and experience life is upside down. It's jacked up. And so we talk about what does right-side-up leadership look like in an upside-down world? It's going to be countercultural. It's going to be one of, of rest when striving and earning is the norm, the expectation. Uh, and so I, I think to first recognize how jacked up our leadership paradigm is, and then to begin to process that with other people. I think we're not going to get anywhere if we just realize it's jacked up and I'm going right. to have some anti-identity. I, I hate that. No, we've got to lead in this culture. Um, So what does that look like in the practical ways? And um, I'm a coach, so I come from the perspective of questions. That questions shape and questions disciple and questions keep you up at night and mess with you and actually change your marriage because of the next date night that you have. And so um, just anybody listening, I would encourage you get other pastors and leaders around and ask them, how do you get away from your phone at night? How do you turn off emails in in your brain? How do you tell people you're on Sabbath? Um, One of the interesting things is we've never had more ways for people to be able to reach us. Right. Back in the day, if somebody didn't have your personal phone number, then they had to call the church during those hours when you were physically there. We take work home with us um, these days. And so if you put things like Facebook Messenger in there, almost every social media, they can message you through that. It's unbelievable. There may be seven, eight, ten ways for people to get to you somehow and the reality is we weren't meant to be reached in all of those ways and Jesus was able to jump in a boat and get away from the crowds and get back to leadership development with his boys mm-hmm. i think we need to be able to
0: find those outlets as well that's awesome when you use the, the phrase right side up leadership right to be a right side up leader what what does that what does that phrase mean i mean you know a lot of us listening we could kind of make our assumptions but i'd love to hear from you because you you've written the book the right side up leader um, you spend a lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of energy, and this is a huge focus for for your life and ministry moving moving forward. I know um, you coach a lot of pastors on this. So, what uh, help us understand what you mean when you're talking about a uh, right side up leader?
1: Yeah, two things: um, health and wholeness. And so, when when we talk about health, I think we're on the edge of a health revolution or a health movement, um, and I think we're realizing that all throughout culture, right from the way people eat and exercise. But really, I think in the church, we realize there's this missing component of of health. And so what we say uh, as, as an organization is that we must choose health over impact, is that if we choose impact, and that is the thing we're running at, we'll do anything to get it, we're going to hit a wall. Mm. And, and it may be a slow burn. It may be uh, what leaders call adrenal failure, where your body just kind of quits on you. Or Or it could be something scarier, something uh, related to moral failure, or even your body's had enough, something like heart attack mm. to just say at some point your body's got to take a break and your mind has to take a break, and we're going to head in, in unhealthy ways to do that and so health over impact ephesians 210 so simple we're workmanship before we do works that's good and and to define that our soul matters more than our role and to live that way to choose that in those moments where you say, if I could just crush six more emails before I go home. <laughs> But man, I love seeing the smile on my wife's face when I come home earlier than I told her I would. That is the choice for all of us, right? right. We could all pound out six more emails or teaching prep or whatever else. And in those moments, we get to stop and say, my soul matters more than my role. And so it isn't just about going away for the weekends or Sabbathing or vacation. Although those are hugely important. I think it's the posture in which we live. And so it um, embarrassingly can go all the way down to our poor theology. Where we can sing good, good father, but we can say, but he doesn't have gifts for me. That's for other people. Sabbath, but I got too much work to do here. But if, God, if God's spinning the world just fine on his finger without us, then that's an invitation to be human again and have limits and boundaries. And so it's health over impact. It's that identity first piece of that. Uh, it's workmanship before works. That, that God crafted us and created us as his before he invited us into stuff. Uh, and, and so, but in the great plan that he has, he doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. When we have that posture, we just function differently, right? We just lead out of a different posture or space. Um, and so I think it starts with that. I would, it's interesting. I'd get people reading my book and say, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and doing everything you told us to do. But, you know, five minutes later, I find out they're about to burn out. They're alone. They're exhausted. And I say, well, stop doing it. (laughs) Right. <laughs> you you need to take a break to tend to your soul. And so, um, I mean, the crash is devastating when we read those and, and see those. But I think what's even more devastating is the amount of people heading toward burnout and kind of the slow fade, sort of falling right. in, out of love with their relationship with Jesus and their practices, falling out of love with their spouse, falling out of love with the church slowly. That right. slow fade is real. And that's what I get to coach a lot of leaders in in the midst of. Um, it's less restorative ministry and it's more coming back
0: to identity ministry. That's fascinating. You know, it's interesting, Alan, as you're as you're talking about that, you know, pastors and in kind of, as they're kind of moving through that, uh, one of the things that I immediately thought of was a, as pastors, I've said this multiple times. I'm sure you probably have. Pretty much every pastor I know has said this. When a couple comes in basically saying, you know, there's no hope for our marriage, we're, we're kind of done, right? And one of the things that always strikes me is I would have loved to have been able to talk through this and pray through this with you, you know, months ago, maybe years ago, right? Like it's something, like you said, this kind of slow burn and that happens in our relationships. But I love what you're talking about in regard to us as pastors, it's that same thing. And we neglect kind of the awareness or the willingness to stop in and slow down and say, hold on a second. It's the same thing that we, we wish our parishioners, the people that we love and care about whenever they're struggling in their marriages, we're like, oh, why did you, you know, slow down months ago and let's process and work through this, and yet we're guilty of um, in our relationship with the church, you know what I mean? Just like pushing and plowing through and ignoring some of those signs, right? Some of those flags. What are some of the ways that as, as pastors right now, and those listening, ministry leaders, that they can kind of just pause, step back. What are some things that maybe some questions even they need to reflect on right now? And uh, maybe even as they're listening to this, you know, just, just stopping their car, pulling off on the side of the road, maybe even, and just saying, Lord, let me walk through some of these questions uh, because we don't want to get to that point where we feel like there's no hope, right?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And then we get there, it's easy to blame it on the church, right? It's it's easy to make a blanket statement right. for things that say, like we have a lot of agency or control, autonomy over our schedules. And so what's interesting, even working with church planters, is to say, man, I, I can't wait. They exit an established church staff where they felt encumbered, and then they have the whole week and they go, man, they end up sort of enslaving themselves in that schedule. Well, they good. had all the freedom and autonomy to do that. And so one of the greatest things about ministry— in our schedules we have a lot of freedom or autonomy one of the worst things about ministry is we have a lot of freedom and autonomy <laughs> exactly, and so right. um to whom much is given much is required a lot of discernment is needed and so uh, i mean this is this is crazy but one of the um the things that's bearing the most fruit in our coaching and consulting is literally having a grid for each day of life and having a different purpose for every day mm. and you guys listening are like what are you <laughs> are you kidding me it's so simple but when there's a different purpose for each day we're not feeling the same on Monday when we're exhausted from that sermon. You may need to just go do more headwork, email stuff. My heart is not yet sort of thawed or recovered um, from teaching, but Tuesday, I'm ready to go. so I block out three hours Tuesday morning to write because that's a, a unique calling that I also have on my life. and to be able to take that time and say um, most people have more control over their schedules than they than they think, but end up feeling enslaved to that. it's interesting um. The, uh, the State of Pastors is this uh, 14,000 uh, lead pastor study that Barna did, and it's the best research out there. I've been working with them and dreaming a little bit on, on how that could be applied to life. And one of the things they said is that pastors feel more fulfilled who have more um, action instead of reaction over their schedule. So words like counselor weren't um, greeted with the same excitement as words like coach. One is more reactive. The other is proactive. And that was a huge determiner in sort of the words that I think a lot of us uh, are living as pastors in a reactive mentality. Say, whatever's thrown my way, uh, I'll go do, instead of actually having a purpose, a plan, a grid for each week, each month, and and each year. Uh, I'm encouraged. I hear a lot of pastors who say, hey, I take the month of July off or I don't preach during, you know, these four weeks and I bring in guests or whatever else to sort of let my heart thaw in that way. That sounds really intentional to me. Like that was something that you decided on. Um, So I think that's a huge piece of that is actually realizing that we can do this in a way that's more life-giving. I think it's really, really practical. And that's why I love the idea of a coach, a mentor, somebody that's just going to say, when was the last time you did something fun? What's your favorite part about ministry? that you get to do, Jason. Just just tell me, what do you love doing? And then how often in your week do you get to do that? How are you making space for that? And um, being able to limit admin and things like that because those need to happen at some point, but they shouldn't get our best time, our best energy. Uh, and last thing I'd say, uh, Wayne Cordero in his book, Leading on, on Empty, he doesn't talk about time management, he talks about energy management. I actually have taken it another step up, we call it energy investment. Where are you investing your best energy? instead of just letting your time leak out. And so just like our money, that time is not tangible until we put it on paper. And when we see that, then I literally can pray for that meeting, for that writing session, for that retreat with our pastoral team that's coming up because it's on paper and we've prepared for it versus this is going to be the same old rigmarole as I had last week. And so, um, so those would be just some really practical things, time tools, how are we investing our best energy? And when's the best time? Maybe you write your sermons Tuesday morning so that you have the whole week to be able to think about that and let it germinate and ruminate, and you're not up Saturday night worrying about it. It's already in the can, and you can really get on that kind of rhythm. That's good. I
0: appreciate that. Um, let, me, let me push back a little bit here um, because a lot of our listeners are pastors in smaller churches. Um, because the majority of churches are smaller churches. That, I mean, statistically, that's just the truth, right? Um, we see a lot more about larger churches, but the reality is, the majority of churches in North America are are smaller churches. That's so right. a lot of the pastors um, they're wearing multiple hats. You know, we've we've kind of talked about that. You know, we're preparing a message. We're also you know doing marital counseling. We're visiting with people. We're engaging in our community as as much as we can. And some days we're the plumber, right? You know what I mean? It's like, it's just the life. Not all of them can take July off, right? And people probably listen and say, man, that would be awesome. That's just not my place. We have a lot of co-vocational pastors as well. So how how can um, a pastor who's in a situation, in a church where he does feel pulled in many different directions— Um, There's not as much resourcing, whether that's, you know, financial resourcing to bring staff on or um, resourcing of even volunteers that can pick up here and there and, or, you know, whatever it might be. How can a pastor in that situation begin to have these conversations that they need to have with their, the people within their church, the the ministry leaders, the key leaders within their church to help them begin to navigate this? Because I, I think one of the big fears from pastors is, well, a pastor is on 24-7. You know what I mean? I only have one life to live. I'm giving it to the kingdom type of a mentality. And again, go back to our original conversation, expectations, like people expect the pastor. Like how would they kind of enter into that conversation with the people, very practical, and begin to navigate that in, in that type of a scenario? Yeah, great question.
1: And I think there's always gonna be pushback there um, and I'm also co-vocational and trying to, you know, weave those things together. Uh, and and so I think if we start with the idea that we can never pull it off, that becomes a prophetic statement for mm, our life. That's good. And I've seen that time and time again. But if you say we're going to make it work, like my wife and I early in our marriage said, we're going to get away for every anniversary. Well, we had to call a Christian camp and ask for a free night. We've had to bring our kids along. To those, but we've gotten away for that, and that also becomes a prophetic statement. So, if you don't believe it's possible, you've actually already lost in that. I could never take a Sabbath. We've already, you know, made made a statement. By the way, if if uh, I'm saying that, my wife's not cool with it. The declaration that I've made, because that affects our whole family. Right. Um. So you got to start somewhere. Is there one area that's dragging you down that you could raise one other person up to, or a Mm. team of people up to? So I'm a huge fan of team. We actually can't do healthy leadership long-term without a team. And so if we think I'm the only one at this church qualified to do this, the only one, I'd question that, to say, okay, so who's going to preach for you when you're gone? And even that, we need to, instead of having the substitute model, where like, a substitute comes into class, right? You give them a hard time. You know, they don't know what they're doing. You know, you got spitballs flying, people on their desk, versus the guest speaker. When a guest speaker is there, you're like, oh man, this is special. Raise up. The person who's leading in your church, or or who's you know teaches during the year but has more capacity because you know they're off for the summer, raise them up to actually become a teacher. They're not going to be as good as you at preaching, but could you do that before you have to
0: when you're on vacation? Mm. So that it's actually a guest speaker model instead of right um, now, and the that's, substitute. That's good because it's. Um, not like, hey, someone's filling in while I'm on vacation. Totally. Right? That, because, that message yeah. you're sending there is not- Or not the student
1: a, pastor that always speaks that one week a year because right. there's like 14 <laughs> people that show up. And, right, you know. right, right. And so I instead, love you're yeah. creating a, a team culture. Well, then somebody else says, I want to be on a team. Seems like team's a big deal here. The water level or the ships all rise as the water That's level good. rises. Um, and so I was actually coaching a female refugee pastor in a small town community. And so it doesn't get much more grassroots. (laughs) She has two extra jobs on the side and she knows she needs to pass this off. And I said, so when, when are you going to do it? Mm. Put a date on the calendar because sometimes if we try and we develop, 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 then she can't find the right people to lead that small group. Maybe something needs to die. Mm. Not all of God's kingdom dies if your small group dies, right? right like we right. can't. We can't kill the thing. It's the eternal organism or organization, uh, you know, if we will. That's that's existed and will continue to. And sometimes we just think we're way more important than that. Mm. To go like I don't know, like maybe that was a great season for that group, but if the right leaders aren't present and I've had three months to develop them and nobody wants to lead it, we need to let it sit fallow. And um, we've done that with gardens before, uh, as I've said. Well, if there's nobody to be the point person on the community garden, then you know what, maybe we just need to go a year without it. And that one person that sees it dead the next year goes, I would love to lead the community garden. And that's become my paradigm for ministry to say, that's not a total loss. We'll just go to the grocery store to buy cucumbers next year. (laughs) And so uh, I think that that's key to see that it doesn't all rise and fall on us. There's really simple, practical ways that you can do that. And we all have weaknesses, Uh, Currently, I'm looking for administrative help. And so we're getting really crafty on how do we find some administrative help so I can put more and more of my time and energy in these different ways. We have to get tricky with it. Last thing I'd say is we think innovation comes from excess, but innovation comes from limits. Mm. And so when we have a little, the most innovative business people I've ever met are in third world countries, and they're working with something like chiclets, they're working with corn, they're working with, and, and saying, how can I take some corn and some fire and make money with it. And that's what small church leaders and and pastors have to do. And with that, we have boundaries in it. You can only work so much, but if you can only give a little bit in this, how innovative can we get? And then how much can we bring in team? And we see some pretty incredible things happen. And by the way, you'll enjoy it a
0: whole lot more if there's team. That's awesome. That's so good. And we can sit and talk about this forever. We'll, we'll, we probably will. Let's get yes, some yeah, more coffee exactly. and keep let's, talking let's about keep going. it. Um, hey, listen, uh before we uh take off here, I would love I'm, I'm sure there sure lots of people listening in, loving what you're saying. It's resonating, right? They're thinking, Man, yes, I need to I need to um carve some things out in my life. I need to do some time blocking, I need to to um redefine some expectations. I, I know that uh, you have Lots of opportunities to talk with lots of pastors. Uh, you have a team that that works alongside of you. If a pastor listening now wanted to connect with you or connect with your ministry or or even, you know, get the book, what's the best way for them to go about doing that?
1: Yeah, just head to stayforth.com. So not go forth, but stay forth, and um, you can find everything there. And we actually have for a time offered the the right side up ebook for free because we just want to get it into the hands of as many leaders as possible the shareability on that. So stayforth.com. You can connect with me there and our team of other leaders, content producers, coaches. Uh, We'd love to serve you in
0: in some really practical way. That's awesome, brother. Well, Alan, I appreciate you uh, coming by the studio today, hanging out with me. Love the conversation. And I know it's a conversation that that you and I will continue uh, in the coffee house and hopefully we'll continue it um, here on the podcast at some point as well. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Love what you guys do. Keep up the good work. Such a great conversation with Alan Briggs. I hope that was uh, meaningful for you and for your team. And don't forget if you want to get Alan's book, The Right Side Up Leader, just text right side up to 44222. And again, that's just one word, no spaces, right side up to 44222, and we'll send you the ebook.